whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. Hi, guys, and welcome back to Ageless. So this week, we have Jordan Emanuel on the podcast. And if you don't know Jordan, she is um, Miss Black America 2018. And she was also Playmate of the Year in 2019. So yeah, let's just I mean, maybe we can just start there, though. In 2018, you can tell us a little bit about what gave you the impetus to enter Miss Black America? Full disclosure, I never in my wildest dreams thought I was going to be in a pageant. Um, it was never really like my thing. I The structure, I, I don't like being bound and contained into one form, right? So I feel like pageantry is so like particular and you have to wear a certain dress and you have to walk a certain way, literally. Um, but I never thought I would do it. But my cousin was Miss Black America 2014 and she found a lot of joy uh, in pageantry. And so finally she convinced me to sign up. So I went, um, you know, I would never do one again. I met a lot of amazing women um, and I'm still friends with so many of them today. So that to me made it really worth the journey, I'll say. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, I recently, I feel like, like everything is just a learning experience. Um, And you know, there are things that I probably look back and I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have moved to LA for that time. Or, you know, maybe I should have just gone straight to NYU and, you know, started in the program that I'm in now. But I feel like I learned so much from that time that like, I'm so happy I took that risk. And clearly it led you to the next chapter. Um, So I mean, that those few months must have been an insane time for you. So how did you hear about Playboy from, from so, there? Ironically, and I, I, I don't think most people know this, is that this happened at the same time. So maybe like a month before the pageant, I had just signed to be um, Playmate of the Month for December that, that same year, 2018. Yeah, I went wow. into the pageant with the understanding that I would be coming out to shoot the spread for December. Oh my god. And gosh. they were okay, okay with that or they, they didn't, didn't know? know? But they didn't they were fine with it. Um you know, <laughs> I, I won my state title, so I'm I, I Miss New York, Miss Black New York. Um and they didn't you know, I think they were proud. They've never said anything otherwise. Um but yeah, I had started because I was working at the club or I was going to work at the Playboy Club. So I had auditioned um, to be a waitress um, there, never thinking that it'd be go beyond that point. And they had an event in D.C. that spring. And from there, I think I took a picture with Cooper Hefner 
And the um, the playmate manager at the time was like, oh, who is that? Would she want to be a playmate? And that's how that happened. They called me. And um, oh I thought I was like in trouble for something. I was like, why would they be calling me? I'm like having so much anxiety. Like it never crossed my mind. They would actually want me to, you know, be a playmate. So it, it, it happened very quickly, like literally four months. That's so yeah. exciting. I know. Okay, wait. So I I love this whole part of your story. I think it's amazing and bold and why, you know, why 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 wouldn't you do it, yeah. you know? Um but I have a little history with really? that. And I know you're you're thinking maybe I was a centerfold okay. or but <laughs> I don't know. Definitely about that. not. Definitely not. No, definitely not. But it's kind of funny you because <laughs> being from Chicago and going to the art institute there, I met um, a stylist and she said, oh, I'd like to use your clothes for a shoot. And I was like, oh, me, you know, like I was still in school and I was like shocked. Amazing. I gave her a bunch of stuff. And like a few months later, she came back to me and said, oh, I I want to show you the 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 magazine. And I was so excited and she came to my house and unfurled the centerfold and that had sort of like pieces of my clothes on, but, you know, barely on. (laughs) And I was so excited. And so I can say my first editorial, my first piece of press was a Playboy centerfold. Amazing. Damn, that's cool. Um, well, I want to hear more about what that that experience was like shooting for them and yeah, how what was it like? You know, I feel like it wasn't as um difficult as I thought it was going to be. Um I went to boarding school and like so I, I was around girls, I was living with other people a lot, a lot and everybody kind of knew I was always comfortable just People would be in my room. I'd be like changing the recording. Are you serious? I'm like, I mean, we all have the same parts. I don't care. Um, So that part I thought in front of strangers would have been more difficult, but it was a super small set. Um, Everyone was so like chill and relaxed. Like no one, you wouldn't even thought it was anything but, you know, a normal shoot. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, the first one was in California. And we did it at the pink, I think it's called the pink motel or the pink hotel. And it's like all pink and like has a Cadillac in the front. Um, and it was like super 70s chic, which was fun. Cause I had like a little fair faucet wig. Uh, it was fun. And that yeah. definitely made it a little bit easier too, is cause I was just pretending to be an extension of myself. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was, that was really fun. And I did another shoot uh, for the Playmate of the Year shoot a couple months after that. And that was here in in New York. And that was awesome because it was right on the Upper East Side. We were in like this amazing um, penthouse. And there's like a Basquiat behind me. I'm like, this is (laughs) And it was great because I was shot by another Black woman. um, And it was her first time photographing nude wow very cool yeah so it was great would you pose for playboy 
I I mean, I wish, dude, I would literally die. That would be so I cool. totally would too. Because I'm also, I kind of relate in the sense, like in the boarding school sense where I'm literally like, sometimes I'm like, I'm yeah. a nudist. Like I would like <laughs> prefer to be nude, honestly. Um, well, I want to hear also about like the mental side of things. After the fact, did you ever face any pushback for Playboy? I mean, I can't even think that you did because we're here like with the state of the world it's 2020 whatever but at the same time like I know that I'm sure there's still some you know I I didn't receive as much as I thought I was going to um I thought telling my dad was going to be a lot more difficult than it was it it really wasn't um thank God. And he ended up coming to like all my events. Like he was, he was there. Um, I don't know that he's ever actually seen my spreads. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully not. Hopefully not. (laughs) But he went to support and, and was at my events. So that, that was great. Um, you know, my, my aunt had a difficult time with it at first. Um, she's a little bit more on the conservative side. She's a teacher. So she was like, I feel like your life is going to be ruined. Everything's ruined. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Like, I promise you it's all right. Um, you know, she's fine with it now. And other than that, I really didn't get as much pushback. I think with dating, though, has been the most challenging. Um, I, oh, tell us about I that. I think there's like this certain expectation that nudity automatically equates to sexual, like, you know what I mean? Like, over- yeah. yeah, yeah. And so there's this assumption that I'm kind of just down for whatever. And it's like, actually, I'm the opposite. You know, I'm pretty like reserved when it comes to male interactions. So that has been interesting, seeing how they like act when they find out. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think also, like, I was talking to someone recently about this, like, what you were saying about, you know, your your aunt being like, oh, you know, now everything's ruined, like, there's this stain or whatever. And I just don't think that is a thing anymore. Like, the fact that Donald Trump is a reality TV star is yeah. just like, you can pivot with how stimulated we are constantly. It's like... No one cares that much about you, yeah. dude. <laughs> like, no, that's yeah. what I always remind myself. It's like, <laughs> if I'm doing anything, like, I should just go with my gut because honestly, in a few years, a few months, whatever, people aren't even going to remember. Like, they have other things on their radar to care about that it's like, be, I'm going to be proud of all of my accomplishments and then know that I'm able to move on to the next project. Yeah, it's more like, what are you? learning or what are you learning about yourself yeah Yeah, for sure you know I don't know if you guys have read the book uh the four agreements but my favorite one is like don't ever take anything personally because anytime like those judgments are coming and if they do care it's like it's more of a projection of what they're feeling or like their limited process of thought is than what we're doing you know what I mean it's like life is short. If this is what I want to go for and this is what I want to accomplish, I can't sit here and internalize somebody else's insecurity or judgment when it has nothing to do with me. You know, it can't. Well, I I think it's so important to just carve your own path and be 
your own person. And the more um, multifaceted that is, the more interesting it is. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear about Women With Voices and how that all started, because that's, I mean, that's like classic pivot next, onto the next chapter, onto the next project. Yeah. um, It's so funny because it happened by accident. So I met the founder. (laughs) I met the founder, um, Chloe Love, um, after she had messaged me via email. And the way she emailed me, it was clear that she'd been talking to someone else and that this was almost like a follow-up email. But me being uh, me, I was like, okay, like, oh, let's meet up. Um, sounds good. Let's meet up at this cafe at this time, whatever. So I show up and she's like, oh, you look different than your pictures. No. You know, people say that about me all the time, like whatever. We ended up having this conversation over like four hours and in wow. it, she was telling me about a foundation she was starting. She was, it was called Women with Voices and how she has grown up in Brooklyn her whole life. And she'd only really been around black people and how it was really important for her um, to, to have the, the, the ability to broaden those horizons and because you know those weren't her neighbors or those weren't who who she was going to school with she never had that opportunity and I was kind of the opposite way I didn't grow up around many black people I went to private school my whole life um and so I've had a very diverse background and I know the value in connecting with different people from different spaces from different ages from different you know anything So we really, from there, wanted to combine those two thoughts to create a space where women are just connecting off of being women, you know, instead of, oh, we happen to join the same sorority, or we happen to be doctors, or we happen to be moms. It's like, us being women is enough to connect over, you know, how that started. And then like a couple months later, the girl she actually meant to message, was like, hey, whatever happened to our meeting? Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> an imposter showed up. So funny. That's truly the universe. Yeah. Again, you guys everything together. happens for exactly. a reason. Well, yeah. how did you guys like initially when you first started, how did you guys cultivate that sort of community? Were you doing events or how did that yeah, work? So we had our official launch. Um, gosh, I guess that was March, 2018. 2018 was busy for me. Um, <laughs> we, we had our first annual, um, we have an event called, uh, changing the world one woman at a time. And it's a gala where we have award ceremony and we have, uh, female owned vendors around showing off product, oh, um, nice. talent and, and just awarding women who have, you know, influenced their community in a, in a positive way. So that was our first big event. After that, we had workshops every month um, until about a year ago when we actually opened a space. It's right from uh, right across the street from the Barclay Center. Um, it's called yeah, it's great. It's really convenient. Um, it's called Chloe's Corner. And so from there, we started hosting uh, fundraisers and workshops um, there. And then every year, I usually have a birthday party. Um, which is also a form of a fundraiser where I'll take like a percentage of the bar or whatever tickets, whatever it is that I decide that year. And then that goes to um, programming for us. 
And it's really on your birthday? Well, my birthday's Christmas. So, no. But two weeks before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Well, how did – I know – I was looking at some of the pillars for women with voices, and one of them is sexual liberation and education. Um, and I would love to hear like what that entails. I know we've talked about sex ed on the podcast before, and just like my mom and I's very different forms of education in that realm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would love to hear more about that. I think, um, ironically, se- sexual education has always been a part of my life. Um, in high school, I was a part of this program called High Tops Teen Teen Pep or Teen Council, where like 20 teens from local schools uh, would go around to like juvenile detention centers, like other high schools or middle schools to teach people about sexuality. And that, you know, that expanded from uh, getting tested, getting birth control, understanding, you know, your breasts, or your period, like down to, you know, the LGBTQ community. So all those things, um, we would go around educating people. And I think after Playboy, it was important to kind of reignite that on a greater scale, because I feel like, you know, like we, like I said earlier, people associate nudity and women being comfortable with their body with then us just being sexual and just being sex figures. Um, and so mm-hmm. when I, you know, started that idea for that to be one of my um, focuses, it was really just about educating ourselves about our bodies and our options and just creating a support system around that. Um, you know, of course, like, have all the fun you want, be liberated in that. But it's more about liberating yourself from the stigmas and the discomfort around our bodies. Yeah. I mean, I, I can totally attest to the fact that like having a really strong sex education background like at my school was just like it made the environment in high school so much better because we learned about consent and we learned about um you know varying gender identities and female pleasure and all of this stuff that I just think like helped so much the entire community because we were all learning together and like being very open I mean I learned like my math teacher taught me (laughs) consent. So like I, it was like such an open environment. Um, so honestly having that community and like building that community is so important. And I know you guys are killing it in that area at women with voices. So thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe we can, switch gears a little bit and talk about I know you're a triple major and we have a lot of college age listeners so maybe you can talk about how um being a triple major and studying I believe you studied journalism music business and art history how do you think those making that choice and studying three things has influenced your career? College, wow. College was hard for me. Um, 
my mom had just passed away the year before I went to college and I, I went to the university of Dayton first. It was too cold. Um, so then I transferred to the university of Miami and while this was happening, my dad was moving to LA. So it was like a lot was going on. And I think for me, kind of having that checklist of like, okay, what do I have to do? And what's kind of going to keep me occupied from literally losing my mind? And that was school. You know what I mean? It was like getting through those midterms, getting through those classes, going to the internships. Um, so I think that the three majors came from from really wanting to just dive in um, and having an accomplishment that was really my own, uh, despite all these changes. And art history in particular was an accident. I just liked art history and I just ended up taking so many classes in it that it was my minor. (laughs) So it worked out. Mm -hmm. Um, But broadcast journalism and music business, I always wanted to have a show um, kind of like, MTV, like TRL moment, like behind the music, um, E! True Hollywood Story. Like I love like those documentary type styles, but I also love the countdown aspect. So the end goal still is to have my own show. Um, I just didn't want to have to move to the middle of Wyoming or wherever they were going to have to send me to be on air. You know, Um, that wasn't the route for me. So I think while it's still like at the forefront of my aspirations, I took a different way outside of college because I just feel like with our generation, we have to be creative with getting where we want to go. You know, nothing is as simple as like, Oh, I went to school for finance and now I'm just applying for a bank job. Now it's like, it's not anymore, you know, and yeah, you kind of have to dig through your own path. And so I think, for me, it was like, okay, I'm looking at social media. I'm looking at Instagram. Well, maybe if I take these photos, I'll start gaining this audience that'll then convert into people who are viewing the show that I want to do and kind of move with me with that journey. So I think kind of how um, I was able to like mesh my, my um, majors into what I'm doing now. Well, and I just think, like you said, you can't, you just can't do one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't, I, I mean, I, I mean, feel like. you've only had one job your whole life, so. But yeah, you've but also I've, pivoted it I've in like I've changed so much within that, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, and the, and just use that more as a platform to be able to spring off and do a whole bunch of other things. But. I mean, yeah, if I was starting out now, I think I do have so many interests and art is one of them. And, you know, I, I media and I just think that it's so much easier to gain a lot of not a broad amount of knowledge in a variety of fields, too, that then it's like, how does that run through your personal filter and how does that become this amalgam of what? you know, you're going to do with your life. Yeah. I mean, sometimes though, I, I'm a senior at NYU now and I see my friends that, you know, have are pre-med are like going to the law school or whatever. And I'm just like, Oh, I wish I could just do that. Like, I wish I could just have like a plan for my life and just follow those steps and be happy. But I, 
I can't. Like, I just don't, I'm not satisfied with having like such a rigid plan for my life. And I'm also like, things just come up sometimes and you have to just be willing to take that risk and see what happens. Nimble. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think creativity is, you can't be a triple major and you, you know, you can't have the life that you've led without having a certain amount of creativity yeah. too, I yeah. think. It's like a catch 22. It's like the downfall and like the bright side of social media is like you have so much access to so many different people. It's hard to be like, I don't know which way to go, but it's awesome in the sense that you, there's a platform for you regardless. You know what I mean? Even if you just like soccer on the side, it's like, okay, people are getting paid to pay to, to play soccer games on YouTube and Twitch. You know what I mean? Like people's hobbies and people's passion projects are now becoming full careers. Um, And I feel like even like when I was coming out of college five and a half, six years ago now, like that wasn't even what it is now. Um, And I wouldn't have been able to even start like DJing. I started DJing. Um, And a lot of that has been virtual at this point. And there's no way I would have reached the people that I've reached just being at the local club or whatever, you know? So it's, it's, it's an interesting time to be a creative and like creating your own path. Yeah. How did you, when you first started DJing, I actually have a friend that like just got into it. What was your first, like your first inspiration to start and kind of where did you start with that? Like what equipment did you get at first? Where did you start learning all of that? So I had been, like I said, I was a music, music was one of my majors. Um, but I can't sing. I don't play any instruments. I was more just a lover of music. And so business was really where I focused. Um, but when I started hosting parties, I, found myself really like I wasn't just sitting there with bottles and like hey guys like I was on the mic like interacting with the crowd like fully out there and I was like how do I elevate this like I don't want to just have this be an hour and then I'm done and then I was like well I could probably start DJing like I have a great um like knowledge of different songs and different genres clearly like I have no issue talking with the crowd or like pumping them up um so I was like maybe I should try you know some lessons so uh it happened to be that one of my pageant sisters um her boyfriend was a DJ and he was like yeah come and he started teaching me and um I ordered uh, no, my friend ordered me like the little baby Serato um, controller off of Amazon. And it's like travel size. So it's really easy. It's what I practice on. And I just went from there. Um, and I ended up going to Chicago for All Star Weekend um, to do my first set. And it just it started off as like a, a little idea and kind of manifested itself into like this fun hobby of mine. Yeah. Well, going I'm um, going off of the whole I guess female mentorship line that you have been touching on. Are there people that have really inspired 
your career path online personas that everyone that all of our listeners should be following? Well, I love Taraji P. Henson. Um, She's an actress. Um, But I really just love her story because she has been acting for so long, but I wouldn't say she got like, she wasn't a household household name until she was on empire. Um, you know, which was in the last 10 years. And she just all, every time she speaks publicly, she talks about when you have your dream, don't give up on it. It may not happen when you want to, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And I just think that's so important. Um, Mm -hmm. I also love Emily Ratajkowski. She is a model. She's so, I I just feel like, she is somebody who she's the queen of the pivot. Like she's the queen of the stepping stone where it was just like, dude, you're in a Robin Thicke video. And then you turned it into like a multi-million dollar fashion company. Like that is, I love sick. And she, and to me, it's, it's even great because we never lost, like, it's not like she just never post nude again or like she's never been like sexy again it's just been elevated in a way that's like it's still her and it's still recognizable from then to now but it's it's grown in such a magnificent way it's like wow let me just take notes right now because you know um yeah and then a little bit more on the fun side I always love Joanne the scammer I just think it's like the most outrageous like him in this wig and just like the things that he says are just like amazing oh and he just kind of went for it i honestly feel like the rise of tiktok yeah. in quarantine is all due to the fact that like we are in need of yeah. comedy but it's like it's literally like it's prescribed by <laughs> by doctors now because it is like i need it so badly at this point i need the um comedic relief yeah. So, yeah, we we're like addicted to stand up, yeah, and other performances like that. I heard actually they're doing outdoor stand up in Brooklyn now. Oh yeah, yeah. I so did hear that. we'll have to check that out. Um, but one question, I guess, to kind of end things off, um, one question we ask all of our guests on Ageless is, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" So maybe we could get your thoughts on that. Sort of your dream. What's your dream? Yeah. Um, my dream would be, I guess I'd want to be like the female Andy Cohen. That is the coolest answer ever. Talk about building an empire. He's so smart. He's so funny. So charismatic. Yeah. So true to his own, you know, he's really true to himself too. And I think that reads through. I love that. It's the humor. It's the, you know, Sona, the swag, but also like, I think a lot of those, those roles have been filled by white men, like hosting and all of that, primarily white men. And we need more women and women of color in those roles. So I think that's a cool, very cool answer. Yeah, so I guess we can just end off there and maybe you could tell our listeners where they can find you and follow you and see all of your fun shoots that you've been doing, even in quarantine. Um, Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's at Jordy underscore Jor. All right, so I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. 
then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.